podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's show, we have Justin Jackson. Justin is the co-founder of Transistor.fm, a podcast hosting and analytics platform. He lives in BC, Canada. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Glad we could figure out everything and, and make it work today. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, we had some technical difficulties as we were getting started here, which uh, Justin was kind enough to sit through and work with us. I was thinking as you shared your bio, one of the interesting things about it is it's pretty short, <laughs> at least with what you shared with us. And I was thinking back to, I think Sam Ovens or someone else was reflecting on different entrepreneurs' bios, length inversely correlated to their actual amount of success. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't let the short bio fool you. Justin has done a ton of stuff in the SaaS space. He's got a tremendous amount of experience and we're very fortunate to be able to, to talk with him here today. So let's get right into it, Justin. Tell us about the idea that you would like our listeners to run with. Okay. So this was hard for me to come up with this. I'm going to go with something completely different than what I'm doing right now. I want to start a company that does energy audits for startups and tech companies. Okay. Yeah, I like where this is going. This is an interesting one. We haven't really gone in this direction. And I think it's going to be tricky because I am interested in this area and I've done some research, but I'm going to have to think on my feet quite a bit here to give a, a good rationale for it. But I'm prepared for it. I'm ready to go. What made you come up with this idea? The first filter for me is what am I interested in? What am I passionate about? What areas of life am I doing a lot of reading on? And especially now, Transistor is doing quite well. And so I have a lot more margin now. I have a lot more free time. And what do I find myself doing in the middle of the day, sometimes for hours? Well, I'm doing a ton of research on energy consumption. I'm listening to folks like Saul Griffith and reading these long scholar articles on Google Scholar about climate change and what causes it and all these other things. And so I'm interested in that. And um, it's been a lot of my conversations as well. So I think that's the first filter. The second filter is, is there any sort of momentum in the market? Is there a visible demonstrated demand for something like this? And there's a few kind of touchstones I've seen. So Stripe just set up a big environmental program. Stripe is a credit card processing company. And they are hiring people just to do this kind of work, just to think about Stripe's energy consumption and thinking of ways to actually sequester carbon. And then Shopify did a similar thing. They've got, if you go to shopify.ca slash about slash environment, they've got this big page dedicated to kind of their thinking about climate change and carbon dioxide levels and what they want to do about it. And both of them are contributing pretty big financial resources towards this. I think Stripe said they would buy carbon at any price. Wow. So if you have carbon sequestration technology, so technology to suck carbon out of the air, 
and probably put it in bricks or something like that. They will pay any price for that right now. Wow. And then I'm just seeing the trend in smaller companies too. So I was having a conversation with my friend Paul Jarvis and Jared Drysdale, and then we tweeted about it. And then a bunch of folks replied to that tweet thread, including Natalie from Wildbit. And then Matt, who works for Wildbit, is doing all of this work to try to quantify what is Wildbit's carbon footprint. And it turns out it's actually pretty difficult to figure this stuff out. It's pretty difficult to figure out what is a green hosting provider. Google has a lot of green hosting, but Amazon only has it in certain areas and it just takes some work. And so I think it's not simple right now, but a lot of folks are interested in it. A lot of folks want to know what is the carbon footprint of my company? Uh, A lot of employees care about it now. There's a Twitter account called Amazon Employees for the Climate or something. Yeah. And so you can see there's this kind of grassroots movement happening where either the leadership is kind of leading the charge and saying, we need to be thinking about this, or the employees are putting pressure on the leadership to say, we need to think about this. We're not going to work for Amazon if they don't solve these problems. Then the third filter will be, would be, is there any example of people paying for this kind of stuff right now? And one example from my own life is my business partner and I, we give 1% of all of our revenue to an organization called 1% for the Planet. And I mentioned this, I think, on Twitter, and I was surprised by how many other companies are doing this as well. And this can be a fair amount of money every year. Eventually, it might end up being one of our major line items of expenses. What I love about what you just shared too, I think I might call that sort of a nugget. It's interesting to just hear your process of thinking about a business, whether that's a heuristic that you've used before or you're just coming up with it on the fly. It's not necessarily the heuristic people would typically use to start a business. They might think of one of those things and not the other two or something. I really like that. Do I have some passion for it? But also, is there some momentum? Because if you if you have passion for it, there's no momentum. You might just get discouraged. And examples of people paying for it now. That's great. This is actually what makes entrepreneurship so hard, is that sometimes folks talk about product market fit. And product market fit is... I'm not as big of a fan of that measurement, but let's just say it's not just a destination, but it's a spectrum. Basically, what product market fit is, is do people buy this product with any sort of frequency? Mm-hmm. And you need that. You need there to be some sort of purchase frequency. Every single day, people are going to wake up and they're going to drive to their favorite coffee shop and they're going to wait in line for coffee. That's purchase frequency. We know that unless there's like an apocalypse, there's always going to be demand for coffee. It's visible. We can see it. So coffee has product market fit. That's the first filter. But then you also need founder product fit, meaning do you care about this product category at all. That's important too, because often if you're excited about it, if you're fired up about it, if you're more fired up about it than the competition, that's going to be a big advantage for you. And third filter is founder market fit. Do you like the market of people you're serving? You could be passionate about a problem, but the people that it serves might not get you excited, not connect with them. Exactly. When you're thinking about how this idea could turn into a business, meaning uh, generate enough revenue to fund it and and keep the, the wheels going, do you anticipate that businesses will pay for this because they're getting a lot of pressure from their employees? 
and they'll need to be green in order to retain top talent? Or do you anticipate that it makes good business sense in itself? That if someone comes in and does an audit for your startup, you have some payback period, maybe it's a couple of years, uh, where that is a wise investment of money in itself. Yeah. I mean, I haven't proven any of this yet. So the evidence I see is tech companies generally have a lot of margin. Margins can be as high as 80% in some cases. And the advantage of that is that you'll notice a lot of tech CEOs have all this time to think about other things other than the business. If you follow David Hannemeyer Hansen on Twitter, DHH, you can see he's big on activism, privacy activism. He's always tweeting about something. That's because he has time to think about these things. In the same way, this is what's happening at Stripe. This is what's happening at Shopify. The leadership there has time to think about other things as opposed to just how are we going to make enough money to squeak by this month? And so there's part of me that's like, okay, this is a good market because they've got margin to think about it. And there's a hook there that goes right to the top. If they're already thinking about it and I show up with a solution saying, hey, what if there was a way of monitoring your startup's energy usage on a monthly basis and we just always, we track it all for you. We give you a dashboard that shows you what servers you're using, whether they're green or not, what your carbon footprint is every month, whether it's going up or down. I think there's something there that they would pay for, especially since there's no really good off-the-shelf tools for that right now. It sounds like, as Chris alluded to, that reporting to the employees, maybe even reporting to the investors, should you have like a public company or even a private company with investors, might be a feature here that is useful. And so that's going to be appealing to the companies that are actually already working on this because then they can sort of prove, mm -hmm. you know, hey, why are we doing this? We want to do this for a certain segment of our clients or investors or whatever. And here's some evidence about what's going on. Here's how we're tracking it. Mm -hmm. And then of course, the hard sell, which maybe that's, you don't focus on that at all, is selling it to people who have, they're not keeping track of it. They don't care much. I think that would be the harder sell too, even if a company wanted to get into tracking it mm -hmm. to actually track it, because then it just might be really painful yeah. to kind of go through that process and make mistakes. And then, you know, what if you go through the energy audit and it shows that you need to do all this stuff to, to fix your energy consumption, but you can't afford to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then you're faced with this very public decision of, do we go out of business or? Yeah, I think that's actually a good overall point is I don't think a business should track anybody who's not already in motion. The amount of time, energy, and money that it takes to get someone to change their mind, I don't even know if that's possible <laughs> because people change their mind so slowly. And there's generally a series of nudges over time that get people to change their behavior or their beliefs. Uh, so it does happen, but a business isn't in the best position to change somebody's mind. And so this is why I would want to know how many people are already in motion. How many people already believe this? I don't want to have to convince people that climate change is real. That, that, that I would waste all my time and money. <laughs> I don't want to have to convince a business owner that doesn't care. Now, they might care for different reasons. Like you said, maybe they care because this is the only way to attract good talent. And if that's true, let's say that some employees are looking for the Justin Jackson seal of approval 
for this company, right? They want to see that green badge on the website. Maybe companies would be willing to pay for it just for that. But if they don't care, I don't think it's worth pursuing it at all. And I wouldn't spend in any business I start, I wouldn't spend any time trying to convince people it's a good idea. The people who start a podcast on Transistor have already been thinking about it. They're already in motion. In fact, they've probably been thinking about it in the back of their mind for quite some time. And they're just looking for the opportunity to get started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you think about programs like LEED that already certify buildings? Do you think that that could be a potential competitor or uh, eat into some of those people who are already in motion? Yeah, I think LEED is mostly architectural, isn't it? It's building design. Yeah, building design. Yeah. I think this goes beyond that because basically, and again, uh, Matt West at Wildbit has kind of been illuminating a lot of this for me. Uh, Here's a tweet. He says, a comprehensive inventory is hard, meaning a comprehensive emissions inventory is hard. I totally understand why companies feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. It's easy to get data for things we're in control of, like flights, office, electricity, but so much of a tech company's operations are outsourced. For example, there's no data available that makes it possible to calculate the emissions from our AWS usage. Instead, we have to rely on proxy metrics. So I think this is the challenge is like tech companies often use a bunch of these services. And by the way, there's also a threat in there which is AWS could just build this in. But because tech companies use so many different services, they might be using AWS on the back end, but on top of that, they've got Cloudflare. And then on top of that, there's all these additional services we use and measuring the energy consumption for all of those is tricky. How much do you expect that a company might pay for something that addresses this? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would have to anchor it to something that they're already familiar with and something that they already pay for. And so like one anchor would be 1% for the planet, right? So that's one. Okay, so companies generally spend about that. Maybe I can have something in there. Maybe it could be a percentage of what they spend on hosting or something like that. So if if they spend $5,000 a month on AWS, the percentage of that, I'm guessing like what would Transistor pay? Because it's so emotional, we would probably pay about $49 a month, I think, for a little startup. And then it would go up from there depending on what business you're in. But that would definitely require some more research. First, you need to find people that even care about this issue. Then I need to ask them, okay, what have you done about this? And if they haven't actually done anything about it, I would probably just not do the idea because there's not enough momentum there. There's not enough proof that they care about this enough to do something about it. If they've done something about it, my next question would be, what have you paid for? So are there other certifications or programs or seals of approval or what else is like this that you're paying for? And maybe it's like they pay you know, for one of these services that track how much you're spending on different SaaS solutions. And then they use that tool to reduce what they pay for SaaS every month. That would be enough of a kind of equivalent thing that I'd be like, okay, well, maybe there's enough proof there that I could move forward. I'd really want to know, are they spending money in this category already? 
or anything approximate. An off-the-wall idea that comes to mind would be maybe a consortium or an organization of sort. Everyone who pays 49 bucks a month gets into this group and you can collectively bargain with AWS to get them to reduce their emissions. Yeah. Because a single company is not going to, especially a smaller company, is not going to have much clout in making a change like that. Mm-hmm. But pull together, it's big business. Yeah. The other thing I like about it is that maybe it would have some of this viral component where like a lot of companies share their uptime stats over time, status.transistor.fm or whatever. A lot of companies, well, not a lot, but some companies share their revenue metrics over time. And maybe this would be another public metric that people would pay for to share. Well, here is our environmental footprint stats public. And they might start high and then the point is to make them go down. Yeah, a couple of things are coming to mind here. Interesting things that are parallel or associated. And I think keeping going back to this point of, do the clients of that business care? Do the employees of that business care? And then on top of that, is Mm -hmm. it something that's good for the business, but hard for the business to prioritize? Diversity is a thing that comes to mind. I remember going to one of the big consulting firms and I hadn't hung out there much, but I was there recently and I found out that they were all about like diversity was something that they were very good Mm -hmm. with and had been recognized for. And I thought, oh, well, that was good to hear. I wouldn't have thought. But yeah, there was clearly some pressure. Maybe they put some sort of um, byline percentage in their budget for these types of things, right? And that brings up the point of what you're saying for, are they already paying for something? Do they maybe even have a byline percentage in their budget for ecological Mm -hmm. goodwill? And I just fair to bring this up as well, which isn't always obvious to businesses, is that your competition isn't always the person doing the same thing that you're doing or the business doing the same thing. It could be a number of different things that are similar. I I think of the example of it's not a competition between which movie to see on the weekend. It's do we go see a movie or do we go to the zoo? So it's not about, is this zoo better than other zoos? It's about, is this zoo better than the movies? And so you might look for those types of things that you're competing with in a a company's attention. Maybe you're competing with diversity percentage byline or something like that, right? Yeah. A lot of those are emotional jobs to be done. So if the emotional job you're hiring Netflix for is entertain me so that I'm not bored on a Friday night. Yeah. There's a lot of other things you could hire to do that same job. Everything from going to the gym on a Friday night to going out with friends or whatever. And Netflix always jokes that their biggest competitor is sleep. (laughs) But in the same way, like, again, I'd have to do some research on this. I think that human beings are primarily emotional beings that think. So our base isn't being rational. Our base is being emotional. I know that. We all know that. (laughs) I mean, we don't admit it, but that you're totally right on on that. I'm guessing that the actual emotional job to be done here might be more calculate my carbon emissions over time so that I could signal to my employees, the public, and other CEOs that I am progressive and thinking about these things. Like I think it's an emotional job. And so if it's mostly signaling, then I would have to think what else is in that category for a CEO? or a company, or the PR division of that company? What other things do they hire for signaling? And how would we compete with that? Good point. 
Let's get into some of the action steps. So we've got a listener who's dialed in. They, they love this idea. It's the first time we're talking about climate change on the podcast, at least business idea focused on it. What do you think someone should do right now to make some progress on this idea? Initial idea was just to do an energy audit. And that's a service or a productized service that you could launch and just see, okay, how hard is it to find people that have money in hand that want to pay for this? How many times do I have to pitch this idea? And how hard is it to get people to actually take out their credit card and buy? Are there any good channels for reaching people like this? Like if my target is CEOs, do I have any sort of way of reaching CEOs in an efficient way? I would want to test it out with a productized service first. Unfortunately, this is why it's difficult actually to take other people's ideas because my position now is the culmination of years and years of experience and skills and everything else. So for me, I know a handful of tech CEOs that I think I would approach about this, but that's because they're in my network. And so I would reach out to them and I would say, hey, I've got this new service I'm trying out where we use existing kind of rubrics to figure out what is your carbon footprint on a month-to-month basis. And uh, we do an initial audit for two grand and are you interested? And then you get this badge at the end and just see how hard is it to convert that many people. If I can speak to that point around the opportunity that you have given the position that you're in, that's one of the uh, theses for the podcast. The hopes that we can address is if a listener out there takes enough action and impresses you then maybe they can leverage that into a mm-hmm. partnership where you don't have to spend as much time doing some of the grunt work, perhaps, that they're doing, but you can still open those doors and make those connections such that this idea gets off the ground. Because otherwise, you're really busy with Transistor. Maybe this is an idea that you would have time to start, but it's something that you're clearly passionate about. So if there's a listener out there, what kind of things could they do? It's great to talk about the actions that you would take to maybe complement something that a listener would do, but... I can offer a suggestion for how to, how to pull that off if you're not Justin Jackson or somebody that has CEO connections, maybe. Because there are still ways to, to pull these things off. Creativity and ingenuity are basically, you know, that's how we get anywhere in life. So there's always possibilities. So one thing that I wanted to bring up is, it was maybe about seven years ago or something, I got a chance to go to a convention it was in New York. I forget the name of it, but basically what it was is it was a convention around, you know, sustainability issues. They had vendors there that were pitching products for big corporations to help their businesses be sustainable. And then on the other hand, you had large corporations, you know, you'd have like Procter and Gamble, a representative. And these companies do have representatives that are in charge of sustainability. Mm-hmm. These big corporations, whole departments and representatives. So I could see someone just picking up a ticket to one of these type of conventions and you can easily just walk around and you could hit, I can't think of the analogy, you could hit someone by just throwing a stone. You know what I mean? That you could have a meaningful conversation about, you know, just bring a pad of paper and a pen, start taking notes and seeing trends and maybe even pitching people. Yeah. I think the nice thing about that is you could ask folks who are already in motion what they're actually doing. So, hey, tell me about what programs you've invested in so far. How did you hear about it? How long did it take you to make a decision? What other alternatives did you consider? What else have you tried? 
conferences like that can be a really good opportunity to see who's in motion and what are they actually acting on. So yeah, I think that's a great idea. I was going to take a different direction. Do you think that a listener would have to have the skills in being able to perform this energy audit themselves? Or do you think that one of the action steps that they would need to take would be to, to learn that? And maybe they learn that by focusing on a subset. Maybe they specialize in server emission costs or windows or solar power, whatever else. What's your thought on that? Uh, I think in the same way that is difficult to move a customer who doesn't care over to your side. I think if you're not fired up about it on your own, I think it's difficult to just do it because it seems like a good idea. One of the biggest advantages I have with Transistor is that I am fired up about podcasting and audio in general. And if you keep going back, there's just all of this evidence that leads to here. And so I I think if you're not already fired up about it, I would just discount it. You can't fake the focus that you're going to need, the level of engagement you're going to need, unless it's already something you've been considering. Like for me, this is something I've had kind of on the back burner forever, this idea of sustainability. And there was a time I was thinking less about it, but it's always been there. And so for me to fire it up, I think I've presented maybe six sources since the start of this. And I just thought of this because I've been thinking about it and engaging on it for so long. So if I'm already ahead of you in the first 30 minutes of this show, it's going to be hard for you to catch up to where I'm at. So I think you have to have some sort of baseline of excitement or engagement on in that category already. So you have the excitement and then you can pick up the skills just based on being passionate about learning it. Yeah. I mean, skills matter too, but I mean, in a sense, all these things matter. This is what's so hard about it. I can tell you who I don't want to partner up with, which is someone who just has ideas and hasn't proven that they can kind of execute on anything. Specifically, if you're going to partner with me, you'd have to bring something to the table that I don't have. One thing I do get a lot of is I get a lot of inbound of people who are just like fired up, but you got to be able to prove that you can bring something to the table. In a partnership, you've got to be able to prove that you bring something that the other person doesn't have. Question along those lines, and I'm sorry for not knowing more about the history, but as far as your partnership with John, did you guys know each other for a while before you partnered on this project? Yeah, we met in 2014 at XOXO in Portland, uh, kept in touch, and then hung out again the next year in Portland. And we built a few projects on the side. Mm -hmm. We tried to start a business that didn't work out. And then everything just kind of aligned in early 2018. And we were confident enough that we had worked together enough and knew each other enough that it was worth partnering up. I just thought it might be a good jumping off point to come up with actions. We've heard about what the skills that John has and had at different times, but are there some actions that you saw him take or some sort of like assets that he brought to the table that he had kind of built already? which made you attracted to him and say, oh, that guy is the real deal. Like we could work together. That's why I want to start a business with him or start a project, maybe and start multiple projects, move through ones that fail and so on and so forth. The things you saw him do, like actions he took that you might outline that we could draw an analogy to something like this. Yeah. I mean, when I first met him, he showed me some stuff he'd built and I started using it. And so I could see these apps he'd built and I could see the quality. I could see his attention to detail, that became clear. And then 
in subsequent things that we did together, I could see, wow, he is exceptionally talented back-end programmer, but he also understands the front-end and design quite well. So he's got a big breadth of skills that are just very helpful. And he was working for Cards Against Humanity as their lead developer. And so he had attained a level professionally where I was like, okay, well, Cards Against Humanity is trusting him with a lot of their infrastructure stuff that reassures me. (laughs) Uh, And so it is helpful to have done some things. It's helpful to have some sort of resume or CV or things that you can point to that say, you know, I've done that. I've put that out into the world and it's public and you can go look at it. Yeah, I could see someone as an action step building some sort of analytics platform or doing something technical that they could show to you or a potential client that they can interact with in a way where they say, oh, this is cool. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. I think there are action steps people can take, but I'm much more long-term. I think folks, like you mentioned, Ethan, go to some conferences, meet some people, go to a bunch of events in a row, and maybe you'll see the same person three times. Keep in touch with folks. Even what Matt is doing on Twitter with me right now, Matt West, in a really appropriate way, he keeps jumping in and out of threads that I've started with helpful, non-pushy, engaging interactions. And I can see, man, this guy gets it. Let's say I got a million dollars funding and I was like, okay, I got to hire somebody. Matt would be the first person I would reach out to because he's clearly already engaged on this. He's clearly already in motion. He's the kind of person I want on the team. And I think folks at home can do stuff like that, but you can't force it. You can't rush it. It's going to take time. And I've known Matt now on the internet, I'm guessing for six, eight years or something. So there's a baseline of trust that's built up. This is a long game. You can't just do these things overnight. That's really important to reinforce. I think it'd be beneficial, though, to still spitball some ideas that would make a good first date. One thing that comes to mind is, I imagine that some of the big tech companies have sustainability reports where maybe they break out emissions by different categories. So you could get a sense for where are the biggest rooms for improvement? And maybe you correlate 15, 20 of these reports and you parse them out and you say, okay, these tech companies, this category, this is where uh, their emissions are for the most part, right? So that would be beneficial because someone like Justin doesn't have time to go through that. It's not exactly the same thing, but the website drawdown.org comes to mind. It's a project where they rank order the top strategies and changes that you can make to improve the climate, to reduce carbon emissions. Number one out there, can you guys take a guess? Don't fly in airplanes. Justin, any ideas? The number one way to, to do what? To the biggest CO2 equivalent reduction possible is made by doing X. Uh, for companies or for individuals? Just overall, overall for the world. I'm guessing it's either vehicle emissions or building emissions, something like that? It's related to buildings. So the number one, I was surprised by this because it's a subcategory, refrigerant management. Yeah. So the actual refrigerants used in HVAC systems, when they are released, they're much more polluting than CO2. 
And by far, that's the number one thing that we can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. So having that data, it may change the focus area that you start with for Mm -hmm. a project like this. I'm also thinking, are there ways that someone can make this into a smaller task that they can accomplish in a shorter period of time? Maybe it's they read up a bunch on strategies to make buildings more efficient. And then they go to their local YMCA and offer to do an audit for free for them. Mm -hmm. That's much smaller scale than working with someone like Stripe. And maybe it doesn't encapsulate all of the largest emitters like the server farms. But it does get you practiced at pitching people on the idea, at at doing some of the unsexy work of, of collecting this data, presenting it in easy to read format. It gives you some credibility if you were to say, hey, I've done audits for the YMCA and the local police building and the borough council building. And then you can maybe step up to someone like a smaller startup like Transistor or someone else might be willing to engage with you much more so than if you were to just say, hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think sustainablestartups.co has a carbon impact calculator. It's not very good. I think if you were technical, a good first step would be to just build a better carbon impact calculator for startups where they could punch in a few variables and get some sort of score. I think there's something there that is interesting and you could refine the methodology over time. Maybe initially all you have is kind of proxy numbers from Amazon and maybe really good numbers from Google hosting, but then you could at least have an initial version of here's one way you can calculate your carbon emissions as a tech company. Very cool. Well, we're coming up on time here, Justin. Really appreciate the conversation. Thank you for sharing this idea with our listeners and all the perspective that you shared overall on how to come up with ideas and how you think through opportunities, how to select partners. I think that's invaluable for for anyone listening who's looking to get in entrepreneurship. Yeah, thanks for being here. This was actually fun. I got more and more fired up as I went along. Awesome. <laughs> Probably the problem is I'm going to have all the good ideas tonight after I've <laughs> chewed on this for a little bit. So. <laughs> well, we'll have you back on to, to share another one in that case. So listeners, if you are as fired up as Justin is about this idea, then take some action, follow through, do some of the steps that we've outlined, come up with your own steps and follow through on them. Email us with the actions that you have taken. Update at runwithit.fm. If you email us, you'll get access to an exclusive Facebook group of action takers where you can meet other people, maybe similar to how Justin partnered with John. You can find people who are willing to walk the talk, not just talk. And then one lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session with Justin. Get that first date with him where you might be able to impress him with some of the actions you've taken. (laughs) What kind of flowers do you like, Justin? If you get a first date with me and you haven't read any Saul Griffith... SaulGriffith.com. If you haven't looked at the project he did for the National Energy Department, the Department of Energy, sorry, in the States, uh, where he mapped out all of the energy flows in the States, I would want to see some. That's, those are the flowers I'm looking for. I love it. Justin, this is your chance to share something with our listeners that you can talk about Transistor or any other plug that you'd like to share with our listeners. Oh, sure. I write almost every week at justinjackson.ca. I've got a newsletter there too that you can subscribe to. I send out a newsletter every Saturday morning. Mostly thoughts on business, but things like this too. And Twitter for me is kind of like the way a comedian treats like working out their material at a local club. 
So if you want to hear my raw thoughts, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin. M-I, Justin. Very cool. Thank you so much, Justin. It's a pleasure speaking with you and looking forward to talking in the future. Great. Yeah, this is great. Thanks, guys. Now, it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.